Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. In today's message, we'll see the promised land divided between the tribes. Joshua reminds them that this is their inheritance, a gift from God. It's nothing that they have earned or won, but it's all because of the grace of God and His faithfulness to the promises He has given them. Part three of Cheryl's message titled Inventory of God's Grace. By the grace of God, this is where they're standing on this holy ground, looking back on this mountaintop, seeing all God had defeated, all God had already done for them, and all that they now possessed. And God speaks to Joshua about all that remains yet to be possessed. Take it. Take it all as an inheritance, a gift from God. Joshua 13.1, God says to Joshua, and I love how God sometimes states the obvious because we see it, but we won't acknowledge it. Now Joshua is old and advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, you are old and advanced in years. Sometimes God just needs to tell us because we're like, no, that's not really a line. And God says, no, that's a line. That's it, that you're old, you are old. You know, like, is this ache just because I shouldn't have lifted that box? Or is it because I'm, you know, almost 58? It's because you're almost 58. You shouldn't lift boxes like that. It's what young people are for. Your children are for. You call them up and you say, lift this box for me. I had you, I raised you, lift it. But here he's saying, Joshua, you're old and advanced in years, but there still remains very much land yet to be possessed. Don't you love it? No matter how old you get or advanced in years, you're still young enough for the promises of God. Isn't that amazing? There's still land to be possessed. My Aunt E.C. at 83 years old, she applied for and got the job of teaching the high school ministry at her little church. As she took that high school group, and she grew it from five kids to, there were quite a few children, high school kids. They just absolutely loved my 83 and 84-year-old Aunt Easy. They couldn't get enough of the Bible and the grace of God that came forth from her. And oh, how she would pray for them, how she interceded for them. It wasn't unusual to go to Easy's house and have some high schooler knocking at the door just to come in and talk to Easy, And she'd be like, oh, oh. You know, Julie's here. It's Julie who Jesus loves. Oh, it's Julie who Jesus loves. And, you know, Julie would come in like, yes, here I am, the beloved of the Lord, you know, and she's all of 14 years old. And she wants to talk to an 83-year-old about her whole life. And, And my aunt would sit down and listen as Julie poured out. There were so many young people at my aunt's funeral because she had touched their lives in just such an incredible way by the grace and the love. At 83, she realized there was so much land to still 
be conquered. My other aunt, my dad's older sister, Virginia, they had to retire her at 80. It was mandatory retirement. She was still teaching high school. And she had asked in her 70s if she could be the teacher of the unwed mothers in high school. And that was her specialty. She wanted those that others rejected. She wanted those that felt that they had disqualified themselves because she could say anything she wanted to them and she would tell them about the love of Jesus Christ. My Aunt Virginia, when she had mandatory retirement, she made up these cards and she went around and she put them on all the neighbor's doors offering 25 cents and all the cookies anyone could want if any of the children in the neighborhood would help her come over and weed once a week. And all these kids showed up at my aunt's house to have cookies and to help her weed her garden. And then she said, and I've got an extra surprise. And she gathered them all into her living room and she told them about Jesus. And she would give them Bible stories and those kids would come They'd be waiting at the door for her to wake up so that they could come in. And she'd be like, oh, I have to have my cup of coffee. And then she would just go out and talk to them while they weeded her garden. You see, there remains so much land to be conquered. It's never over. There is still so much more that God has for us. There's more promises, more extensions, more blessings, more battles to be fought and won. Verses two through six, God begins to outline the territory, territory of the Philistines, the coastlands, north, all the way to Egypt, the Southland of the Canaanites, the land of the Gibelites, and all Lebanon from Mount Hermon to Hamath. God is saying, I want to do so much more. I want to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you have asked or thought about. I want to extend the borders. I want to go beyond, beyond, beyond. God promises to drive out the inhabitants from before Israel. First, it's to be given and allotted. Give them this territory. I'll give them my promises with the territory. And then each tribe by faith is responsible to take the portion given and to finish the work, to apply all that they have learned fighting with Joshua, to use all the grace that they've been imparted with. Reuben, Gad, and half Manasseh are to settle the territory that they have requested on the east side of the Jordan. And Joshua reminds them again and again, it's an inheritance. It's a gift. In our lives, we have inherited the promises of Christ. Christ won them. Christ earned them. And then he gives them to us as an inheritance because we believe in him. Not because we've earned them, not because we deserve them. This is the grace of God. It is not possible to receive these promises apart from God's intention, intervention, and instructions. It's not an entitlement, and it's not a wage earned. It's the gift of God. There is no allotment, we're told in Joshua 13.33, given to the tribe of Levi. They are not given one territory that they can just huddle in. They are to be spread throughout 
the whole nation of Israel. There are to be Levites located in each of the tribal allotments. Why? To keep the spirituality of Israel intact. Each of the men of the tribes of Levi, they have special duties that once a month, every year, they will have to go to the tabernacle and serve. It's like a a retraining, a recertification so that they will again get the law and the stories and the heritage of God and take it back to all the different tribes of Israel so that there will be spiritual leadership through the land. They are to retrain, relearn, and be able to relate the laws of the Lord to the tribes of Israel. We love holy huddles, don't we? But God sends us out and he puts us everywhere out among the people that we might be an example, that we might lead spiritually, that we can compel others to go to the feast of the Lord at the tabernacle. And so God sent the Levites out among the people and said, I'm your inheritance. You don't need to all huddle together. I'm your inheritance wherever you go. I want you to feed and feast on me that you might pass out and pass down and pass around all my promises to the children of Israel and keep them mindful of me and my promises. This inventory that Israel took reminded them of the faithfulness of God and his promises, God's fortitude to make it happen, and God's favor upon their lives. And this would inspire them to continue to seek and serve the Lord, fight the enemy, settle into his promises, hold on to their allotment, appreciate their allotment, and pass down the promises of God to all of Israel. You see, taking inventory of the grace of God is a spiritual essential. It's how we recognize the grace of God in our lives. And the more we recognize the grace of God in our lives, the more we can receive it, the more we can reciprocate and reflect it to others. It inspires us. In Philippians 1, 6 Paul says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. The more we take inventory of how much God has done, he hasn't brought us this far to say, well, you made it in the promised land. Best of luck with the rest of the enemies. I've done my part. See ya. No, God says, I'm here with you all the way to the end. In Isaiah, God promises, I will be your guide even unto death. In Hebrews chapter 13, the author of Hebrews reminds us that God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you in order that we might boldly proclaim the Lord is my helper. I have no need to fear man. He who has begun a good work, he's going to finish it. You're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 2.10. He's responsible to get you all the way through, to settle you in the land. Taking inventory of our own lives helps us to realize just how far God has brought us. Wow, I can't believe it. Brian got me an eye watch for Christmas. I didn't want one. 
I love it, but I didn't want it. I bought him Hoka running shoes. He didn't want them. He still doesn't like them, but that doesn't matter. It was a gift. It was an inheritance. But the thing about this watch is that it will tell you how far you've walked in a day. And you don't, I'm just going about my day. I was with my friend Ellie and we were just having fun. And the next thing I know, Ellie goes, did you check your iWatch? I'm like, no. She goes, we walked nine miles. Like, we walked nine miles. We did 30 flights of stairs. We did 30 flights of, no wonder I'm tired. I mean, it's crazy. You don't realize how much you're doing in a day and how many steps you've taken. When you say that, you're like, oh, wow. (laughs) I did 30 flights of stairs by the grace of God. I didn't know I could do 30 flights of stairs. If you had told me tomorrow you need to do 30 flights of stairs, I'd be like, "Uh uh-uh, I don't think so. But when it's all done, you're like, oh my goodness. And then, you know, I have to call Brian or at least send him a text. I did 30 flights of stairs. I have to tell my children, guess what I did yesterday? 30 flights of stairs. You know, in my own house, I've got a two-story and I'm always forgetting things, you know? And so the other day it was like, you've done 20 flights of stairs. And it was, I never even left my house. It was because I kept forgetting why I went upstairs. So I go downstairs and I remember that I go upstairs and I, you know, forget and I go downstairs. How far the Lord has brought us though. We, We need to take inventory and just think about how far, especially the older you are and the more advanced in years, the further God has brought you. The further God has brought you. And we need to take inventory. We need to take inventory. It's essential that we might continue to fight the good fight, that we don't give up, that we don't, you know, just say, I'm tired of fighting. This is enough land that we don't try to do the holy huddle and just hide from the enemies. Like I'm going to go into my closet. I'm going to shut the door and just wait for the rapture. But we go into all the territory trying and to compel as many people as possible to join us in this glorious home going that we don't hide from the enemy. We don't run from the enemy. We don't compromise with the enemy, but we seek God's direction, strategy and power against the enemy to claim the whole land. Thirdly, that we might live in and by his promises. You see, as we take inventory, we realize that God's ways work that God has kept his promises. And what does that make you want to do? Well, you kept those promises. Can I have this one and this one and this one and this one? It makes you want to claim more promises and to live in these promises and possess all that he has for you. There is more, there is more. Paul in Philippians 3.12 says, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. This is one scripture that I prefer the old King James, that I might apprehend that for which Christ Jesus has apprehended me. You know, sometimes the old King James is just so majestic. I just love it. I love all the translations of the Bible. But sometimes the King James, it's just like, yes, that I might apprehend that, that I might grasp it with both hands, the purposes that God has grabbed hold of me with both hands, that I might not miss one purpose, that I wouldn't get to heaven and say, well, I had all this, but you only wanted this. I want to live in all of it 
I want to claim as much territory for Jesus on earth as is possible, that I might possess all that he possessed for me. And then that I might pass this allotment, that I might give out his great promises to others. We are to recognize, live in love, and allot his promises to others. We are the living proof that God fulfills his promises. We are the examples of God's grace by where we stand, by the battles that have been conquered on our behalf, and by all we possess through Christ. And we use this testimony of what God has done in our life to authenticate to others the promises of God that are true, strong, and great. I think of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, where Paul says, The God of all comfort, he comforts you when you're going through things, that you may be able to comfort others who are going through the same thing. Paul says, in my own life, we had the sentence of death. We even despaired of life. We thought, well, this is it. I'm about to see Jesus. But God brought us through that we might tell you that God is faithful. He is faithful. And then we give these promises that they might be received by our children, by our friends, by the community of Jesus as their inheritance from the Lord. You might be old and advanced in years or just simply feel old and advanced in years. You could be 12 and feel old and advanced in years, but there's still promises to be claimed, one settled into and given away and taking inventory of God's grace will inspire you, will empower you, will compel you. Take inventory of where you stand right now and all that God has brought you through that you might stand in this place where you are standing. All the victories that he has won for you and all that you have through Christ. Sometimes I can be so overwhelmed by all the deadlines in my life, my huge to-do list, It's then I need to stop and take inventory. Think about the miracle of where I am and all the borders and boundaries and bullies. Can you see it? There's a lot of alliteration in this study. It was a groove. It was a Holy Spirit groove. Borders, boundaries, bullies that have already been dealt with by God. The miracle of what is behind me of all the territory I have crossed, all the enemies that have been defeated, and all that I now possess through Jesus Christ. I think about the miracle of all Jesus has conquered, all the victories, places he's come through. You know, I just filed my taxes. I hate filing taxes. Do you know I begin to stress out on New Year's Day every year, knowing that Uncle Sam is about to measure my life and assess me. I just like, oh no, please Uncle Sam, be merciful Uncle Sam to me, a tax person. But I think about all the taxes, all the filings that have already been made, already been paid. I think of 
sometimes, you know, the messages I have to give, but I think about God's grace and giving me the message for you because he loves you. And all the messages that have already been written and delivered by the grace of God. I think of all the flights I've taken and every flight you're like, traveling mercies, please. And all the flights that have landed safely, all the passport agencies I've been through, all the luggage that has been lost and found, literally lost, found, all the traveling mercies of God throughout my life, all the conflict, heartbreaking meetings, encounters, trials that I've not only survived, but God has conquered. And I think of all I possess right now because of Jesus My grandchildren, all five of them, each a miracle in their own right. I think of my own children, each a miracle. Their spouses, a miracle. Sometimes I even love the spouses more than my own children. So naughty. My loving husband, my friends, best friends I've ever had, ever. I think of joyful life. I love this Bible study. I love the group meetings. I love doing the homework. I love that you guys show up. I just love this. I love the worship. It's then when I begin to think about these things, I get so excited about the land yet to be conquered. If God has done all this thus far, if he's been this good and he still has more promises, not just for me, but to my children and to my children's children and to the people of God. You know, sometimes I had the opportunity to go out to lunch with a young woman. It was just absolutely beautiful. Serving in the mission field, it was yesterday. And I just looked at her and I think, you are so much better than I was at your age. You're so much more mature. You're so much more receptive. She's also more beautiful, but she's just like so awesome. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this is so awesome to see these young people taking the promises, believing, catching them, living in them. I I get so excited. What other promises can I give you? I want to give you all the promises. You know, I like to send my children letters and I like to put a promise of God in every letter. I like to find it and I like to put it in. Even the email was reading this. I think it's for you. Oh my goodness. You know what? We need to be more intentional about giving the promises of God away. I used to be. I used to take a promise every time I did my Bible study devotions, write it down and find somebody to give it to that day. And if I didn't find anybody and I found it in my pocket, then it was mine. Not to make me neglectful, but... We need to be more intentional about giving the promises, to pray over other people for the promises. Kathy Gilbert and I, one time we were fasting. This woman had asked for prayer and we both decided to fast and pray for this woman. She calls me up, she goes, so what promise did you get for her? I'm like, I didn't, I was fasting. I was just giving up food. I didn't know we had to also give her a promise. You know, I thought it was good enough just that I wasn't eating food for her and praying. And she's like, no, promise, find a promise. I'm like, well, I gotta get off the phone. I gotta find this promise. Got off the phone. 
And I asked the Lord, give me a promise. The Holy Spirit laid something on my heart. I looked it up. I prayed over it for this woman. Then I was able to say, I prayed this promise over you and for you. Oh my goodness. Is that so exciting? That's our future. There's much land to be conquered and to be given away, passed down, passed out, passed around. There are promises to, to lay hold, but before you go any further, take inventory. Take inventory of the grace of God in your own life where you stand by the grace of God. All God has conquered for you and all you possess right now through Jesus Christ. Just as God gave the tribes of Israel an allotment of land to possess, He has given us the promises in His Word. By God's grace, this is our inheritance, what we are to lay hold of, pass down, and speak into each other. Remembering the grace of God in our lives helps us to see the faithfulness of God and His absolute commitment to us and the promises He has given us. All of the promises are ours because of Jesus. All we have to do is believe, step out in faith, and allow Him to work. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll see how to have faith while we wait as we continue our Possessing the Promises series in the book of Joshua with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.